This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. Welcome to I Will Watch Anything Once. I'm your host, Mark David Christensen. Welcome, listeners, back to I Will Watch Anything Once. Hello. It's me, Connie, again. Yeah. (laughs) That's Connie, guys. She's going to be here from here on out. She's my co-host, and I'm so happy to have her here. You can't get rid of me. I can't. I invited her. She's like a vampire. I invited her in. There's no way she can you leave. You let the right one in this time. Yeah, I did. I think I let the right one in. Yay. Um, but we have a great episode for you. Um, it'll be one of the last episodes with a guest that doesn't include Connie's. We're trying to just get those ones out of the way because now with Connie here, we're going to have the hopes that every episode, the two of us will be there with a guest. I bet there'll be bumps in the road with that, but we're mm-hmm. still going to keep bringing um, episodes with guests to mm-hmm. you once a month. And then, of course, very soon, um, new episodes that just are me and Connie um, watching movies and discussing our feelings about those movies are going to start rolling out um, uh, twice a month as well. We just got to get those feelings out. We, yeah, we want to share. We want to share what movies mm-hmm. do to us or mm-hmm. anything else that's going to come that we'll watch with mm-hmm. you. Um, but. The movie we have for this week, definitely, even though Connie wasn't there to watch, she this was something really sparked your attention with one of the stars of the movie, um, Peter O'Toole. Oh, yeah. I was just saying, because you pulled up a picture of him, and I <laughs> yeah. instantly remembered. I was like, well, he was in a lot of weird stuff towards the end of his career. Like, because the thing is, Peter O'Toole, when people mention him, they're like, oh, like, what a great... Uh, regaled act. I said that word wrong. Uh, <laughs> regaled. Regaled. Is that actor. it? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, they think Lawrence of Arabia, um, the Grapes of Wrath, Last Empire Emperor. Uh, he's known for. It was a movie that, that it did go like his, his, tons of awards, and that was all right. I didn't see it, so I don't know. Oh, it's but. a really good movie. But if you're if you watched it, you wouldn't be like, "Oh, Peter O'Toole." I, uh, you know? Right? Yeah. I think this is one of. I think this is amazing movie that he's. I haven't seen? seen that. The Lion in Winter. Uh-huh. I highly suggest Lion in the Winter. Great, like that Shakespeare play. It's not Shakespeare. It's actually some other play, like, but it's written in this sort of oh, the same gotcha, elevated gotcha, language. Gotcha. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not as. Not patameter or whatever. I'm, yeah. Now I've messed up a word, but <laughs> not in that. But it is like that old time. Like I don't even yeah, know old think, time. He's not even the right oh, yeah, word. It, this either. has Catherine Hepburn in it, right? Yeah. And, I would watch it for her. And there's a young Anthony Hopkins in it. Oh, didn't Catherine get nominated for that? She might have. It, winner of three Academy Awards. It says we're looking at the IMDb right now for it. Let's look it up. Because something, yeah. I, I, don't, I thought for she, a while she was like box office poison, but then she came back with this, I believe. Well, and, she, oh, really? And she knocked it out of the park. Yeah, she got leading, you're totally right, yeah. leading actress in 1969. And it got for best writing on a screenplay. I didn't. And uh, oh yeah, music. And Peter O'Toole won for best actor. He got nominated. Oh, whoops. I don't think he ever whoops. went on to win. He got multiple nominations. Oh, that's weird. Like he's eight, but never won. The last one was that movie you were saying in his older age. Yeah, Venus. Yeah, was that like, yeah that creepy hot dog older man? He, oh man, have you seen the movie Caligula? <laughs> I have not, but I do know of it. He's in it. Yeah, him and Helen Mirren's in it. Helen Mirren's all over it, naked. Oh, super naked. And um, 
but yeah, he's in it, and he plays an emperor who's dying from syphilis, and <laughs> it's so over the top. I don't know how much you know about this movie, but the, at some point, uh, one of the people in charge, one of the companies in charge of production was Hustler. Yeah, I thought. Oh, I thought it was Playboy, but it oh, makes sense. Or Playboy, sorry, but Hustler wasn't it around yet. It could be because it, it was more Playboy. harder than. I feel like it could be Hustler because it's a little more hard. There's like penetration in it. Yeah, but, there's full blown. Yeah, and um, the movie starts with a, a shot of someone in a meadow, and it's right on their butt cheek, like naked. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and it's even grosser when you realize it's um, Caligula with his sister. <laughs> oh, how horrible. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, Peter O'Toole's in it, and he's dying from syphilis, but he's also going crazily crazy because syphilis makes you nuts, and um. Uh, his mm-hmm. the, his his intro in the movie, he is a crazy emperor, and he's surrounded by people, literally just having sex around him with various tools. Like there's a woman on some sort of bicycle like thing that, as she pedals, there's various uh, there's a wheel underneath her, uh, in between her legs, uh, but ringed with tongues. Oh. So she's just pedaling as this thing licks her. It's insane. That's one of the devices surrounding Pirato. And he, I don't know if he's having fun with it, but he's he's definitely making a lot of strong choices. Oh, God. Now I'm just wanting to see it just for that. Yeah, it's really nutty, and it always, it kind of ruined Peter O'Toole for me. Oh, boy. Well, I hope that the people that have seen Club Paradise, this is a segue into this episode, because uh, didn't ruin any actors for them because in club paradise a lot of people are like shirtless and near naked like because it's on it in an island there's eugene levy you get to see pretty much naked in it there's a whole sequence where they lose their clothes on a nude beach um it's a really fun movie but more on that with our guest for this week brandon gardner who All right, I'm here with Brandon Gardner. Hi. <laughs> we just spent the afternoon watching Club Paradise. <laughs> yes, something I spent a lot of afternoons doing when I was like 10 years old. That's right. And um, yeah, I haven't watched it in a long time. Great. And we got to experience, I got to experience for the first time today. Um, before we jump into actually talking about the film itself and getting into the details and my and our, my impression of the movie as uh-huh. well as your return sure. to it, um, why did you want me to see this movie, Brandon? I think part of it was I was trying to think of a movie that I remember liking that I don't think most people have seen. Mm-hmm. And so th- that's on my list. There's only a few people where I bring it up and people are like, oh yeah, I've seen that. Uh, and I think that was my main my main reason. And I think partly maybe just because I hadn't seen it in a long time. Too, right. So I was curious how it held up. Yeah. Well, we definitely found out. Yes, today. we did. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that, that's great. I think that's a great reason to, to um, sit down and watch this movie. Um, give a, the, any for the listeners out there mm-hmm. that possibly have never heard of this movie. Give us a quick like short synopsis. So the plot is. Robin Williams plays a firefighter from Chicago mm-hmm. who wins uh, sort of a settlement. He's He does something heroic, wins some money uh, from insurance or something, goes to an island that's very much like Jamaica but is smaller. Yeah, it's a in the Western island I think yeah, called St. Nicholas. He purchases some property. He ends up trying to start a small resort 
with this reggae singer uh, to sort of try to keep the reggae singer's club from being taken over by evil corporate interests. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of an excuse for a lot of, uh, like, uh, Americans in a tropical situation being... being, uh, I don't know, (laughs) out of place. Yeah, exactly. It's... We'll get to it, because mm-hmm. I think this movie is, like, it's just too much. There's too much going on where you're like, oh, there's these great things in it, uh-huh. but then there's, like, it's one of those things that I think a comedy can, where it falls short is when they too, put too much time into trying to get a plot right, or they don't just right. let a simple story get told and with those maybe, gags. as I was watching it now as, as an adult, um, trying to put too much... Uh, almost social commentary on like uh, the corporatization of these small islands and and um, almost yeah like uh, the people versus money and, mm-hmm. and, and things that uh, make for a lot in a comedy yeah or this kind of comedy at least yeah yeah because well let's just we'll jump right in like we well first off when we sat down you're like you told me like how you looked up regular reviews on this and you're like oh I remember liking this movie a lot but apparently no one did yeah real quick before I came over I looked up the <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes and I think there was one professional reviewer who liked it of all the reviews that were wow. there wow most uh, did not like it at all and I really hadn't I don't think I've seen it at least since I was like twelve. Um, so I was a little surprised. Also, uh, John Gabris, who I'm friends with, is the one other person who remembers the movie fondly. Oh. And so I'm like, yeah, it must be good, right? And But he probably also hasn't seen it since he was a kid. But I can see how a kid, because I think what you probably take away from mostly as a kid is just the gags along the way. Yeah, I think so. And I think it was my introduction to a lot of these like very funny actors. There's a lot of Second City people that they all sort of brought in as this big ensemble. And uh, I think as I was watching, it, I was like, I think if I had a kid, I would have them watch this when they're like 10. I think they would still enjoy it. Yeah. There, there's nothing in here that's harmful for a child. Or, like silly characters. A lot of it, I think, went over my head. Oh, definitely has to be a lot. Like even like the how much weed you're like, I don't know. As a kid, you're yeah, not like. Yeah, the weed thing was very abstract to me at that age. Even just like I kind of got the idea of these two sort of uh, weirdo guys, Rick Moranis and Eugene Levy. Like, Who essentially trying to, still like, st- have sex on the island. Yeah. Without really getting too far into it. Yeah. Yeah. They're perfect character pieces They're for those great. two. It's a great vehicle for them. They're the best high, best part of this movie. Yeah. Like, I think it was even then and it, yeah, they still are. They still are so, like they're introduced so funny. Yeah, like, Barry and Barry from Chicago, I think. I mean, it feels like they're they in the are. smoked meat business and yeah. there's a couple of uh, creeps. Yeah, and like, Moranis' character, his Barry, has like a running thing when he hits on women where he like introduces Eugene like either as his uncle or his yeah. dad. And you're like, how? And he's like, it's supposed to be these charming things. You're like, that's just weird. I think as a kid, I thought he really was his his uncle. I thought when we were watching it, when he first yeah. says uncle, I thought that's funny that there's an uncle <laughs> and nephew. You. Yeah, but they have different last names. And eventually I'm like, oh, it must have been a weird bit. Yeah, it's definitely a weird bit, I think, eventually. Especially when you hear him introduce him as his dad right. in, in the later time right. in the island. But at first, they, they are so <laughs> funny to me in this movie. They're such yeah, perfect just two losers. little hairy guys uh, hitting on women. And being, like, mean to the women that they should be with. Like, the reasonably attractive women they're very dismissive of. Yeah, the ones that are on their level. They're as yeah. awkward as them. They're so they're rude. They're like, no thanks. 
for like just a simple like will you put low sh- uh, sunscreen yeah, on my back they're like get out of here now yeah. we're, we're gonna later. have sandwiches yeah <laughs> uh the, that yeah but then so we probably will talk about them more and more but so here's them. two things that I, I yeah go ahead very quickly in my very fast research found out that were interesting is that apparently the first offer for the main character played by Robin Williams was to uh, Bill Murray and he declined. Oh. So it's interesting to try to imagine the whole thing uh, with Bill, Bill Murray. Murray. And then apparently they offered the Peter O'Toole role to John Cleese and he was like on board for a second then and dropped out. Whoa. Maybe he read it. I don't know. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's crazy. That Those two different castings would change... Those I think a lot. Well, so, so much. much of the movie is focused on just um, Jack, the character played by Robin Williams, and whether or not you find him charming, just sort of riffing. He's like constantly doing bits with people. I mean, I guess it's like a very common uh, Robin Williams role uh, where he's just kind of doing bits all the time. And if you like them, which I think as a kid I, I was on board for even some pretty corny jokes. Um, but yeah, it would probably be very different with Bill Murray. Oh, it'd be it'd be far more drier, right? I would imagine it, yeah. Like he's gonna be a way more laid back. It's easy for me to picture him playing the character too. Oh, yeah. I can totally see the Bill sardonic, Murray playing, yeah, American, yeah, yeah. playing that. Um I didn't Oh, it's a total different movie. I'm trying to think of another role like that would be identical that he's played to that. I mean the closest thing would be his character from Groundhog Day sort of running that place. Right. That's interesting. But that guy's sort of more I don't know if he'd be that cruise. cynical, yeah. Yeah, he wouldn't be as cynical as him. Is Twiggy is she did she have like a TV show or is she like a pop star? I don't know. Was she, she was a model. model. I know she was like a sixties okay. model icon. Interesting okay. casting, not not a good actress. Yeah, and mm-hmm. but then they don't very use limited. her very well. Either. Oh no no no! Yeah, there's I mean, nothing near the end. There's literally a scene where her she's just sit, waiting for Rob Williams and a long take of him to walk up when she's just sitting there worried. There's a couple of scenes where they just have her outside standing on a porch. One where she sees that the police are coming and alerts people, and one where she's just there to see that Robin Williams has come back and to sort of rejoice. Yeah. And she's and, not even doing it. And there's a part where she gets like she's introduced. She's the reason why Rob Williams' character decides to stay and run the place. Right. She sort of inspires him to be more than just like an American camped out on the beach. But she sort of just disappears at that point. Other than the, like she's helping generally him helping him put it together. together. But then once it starts going, she disappears and then comes right. back when they're like in jail. When there's trouble, yeah, yeah, she bails him out. You're yep. like standard 80s female role. Yeah. Oh, and then there's yeah. Throughout the movie, there's women, very beautiful women, being very easily charmed by guys who are like not particularly nice or charming to them, but just being like, yeah, I like you. Yeah. Uh, her I, with Robin Williams right away. Yep. And then the travel journalist who's immediately charmed by Peter O'Toole. Who Peter O'Toole? The thing that hooks her is how he's like. She's like, he's like, I don't really have money. I just live here because I just, I could be right. anywhere else. And she, he's like, and my mar- like the one thing that was good is like my wife left me. And he's just, she's like, oh, she didn't like islands. No, she loved the islands. She didn't like me. But that charms her. Like, <laughs> yeah, upfront about his faults, and she really liked it. It's, it's so funny to watch that sometimes on screen because you're just like, what? Yeah, does you're that ever that? happen in real life? Yeah, like you're really that charmed by right. how much of like he's a. He's trouble? <laughs> yeah. 
I guess so. <laughs> I guess so too. Like, um, good role for uh, Brian Doyle Murray, who yeah, co-wrote as the, it as, as the, the villain, sort of like a hotel owner, swanky, like sort of snobby asshole. He does that really well, and I think he's done it a lot of times because he's done. He's the villain in Christmas Vacation. He's the oh, boss, right? Yeah, and he's really good at that right. role. And I bet you there's one I can't think of, but I feel like he play, he's played that a lot. Well, right. he's also in Wayne's World. He's like the kind right, of the exactly. sponsor. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. He plays those that sleazy, high status, yeah. sleazy status so well. Yeah, very funny. In a very funny way. Yeah, and this is a lot of him interacting with the like Jamaicans or the St. Nicholans um, in a very dismissive, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, condescending kind of way. Like one of his first introductory scene, he's talking to our the. Um, Reed character Jimmy Cliff played by Jimmy Cliff real reggae star yeah yeah. and he's like trying to convince him to like clearly just having like dismissive conversation about him not gonna be not hiring him at his hotel right but then the end of that he's too political with his music Yeah. yeah and then there's two like women walk up in bikinis he's like gets distracted by them he's like gotta go gotta go and that's the end of that scene yep he knows what he likes (laughs) you're like all right, there you go but there's like a lot of great so, I think the big thing that doesn't hold up with this movie is, there's, like we said, there's like that political commentary they're trying to say, mm-hmm. but then you're also trying to throw in this, as you said, SCTV sort of character gags. Right, yeah. And I think it just, for me, gets just too jumbled. Like, because I feel like if you would have just kept this movie simple about mm-hmm. guys trying to make a, cl- a club paradise totally. work with a bunch of people having a horrible time and then winning them over by the end, mm-hmm. I think this movie would have been great. I think could much could be much better, much more simply. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because like I love all I the characters. I wonder if that pieces. was ever a draft. If there was ever a moment where like, no, there needs to be an island revolution at some point. And there needs to be this backdrop of evil developers. Yeah, because that's where it just gets a little too... Yeah. Too much, and at the end, it's like, wait, they're, we're we're trying. You're trying to keep us laughing, but then you're introducing a rev, a, a, a like a coup and a revolution right. happening that's essentially vi- super violent. And I'm like, I, I'm like, yeah. I don't know why I'm still laughing because I'm not. Why do you think you're going to get laughs? Yeah, it's possible that the, if the relationship with Twiggy had been more interesting and complicated, maybe that's yeah. what you're following, and it's more about like a, a more romantic comedy and about just real people running a club and the sort of mm-hmm. clueless Americans that show up at these places would probably be better. A hundred percent better. Yeah. Cause it, when they, when guns come out in this movie, you're like, what? This is insane. And the way people react to them where Robin Williams almost doesn't seem afraid. Like he's running down the beach and people are shooting at him. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, that's, this and no one's on. panicked. Everybody at club right. paradise is not like frightened at this. They just kind of like they still seem like they're on their vacation, right. even after police show up and shoot at the two right. people. Running. Definitely not panicked at the level <laughs> real people would be. And the Which people is, that are like not the guests that are like work there or whatever are very chill about it. Yeah, this is what's weird. It's like that's like the part where it becomes ungrounded is yeah. when the revolution happens. Whereas like. I want to point out, like, I looked up her because we couldn't think of her name, but Andrea Martin, who plays... Right. They give her a ton of set pieces. Yeah, set pieces. And I would I would argue that her even over-the-top performance uh-huh. is the, is still grounded more so than when this stuff oh, starts sure. to happen. Yeah. Like, she's funny to me. Even in that oh, yeah. shower gag that we get where she complains about there not being yep. water, and then it comes on, like, insane gale force where she's blown out of the shower (laughs) she's super funny in that she's super funny in the bit where she goes uh is it 
parasailing? Yeah, parasailing. Where it comes loose and she just drifts off into the woods and she's thrilled. Just that, her dancing is fun to, yeah. to reggae. Yeah. Her dancing and singing along, the limbo To like gag. very political music. <laughs> yeah. Where right. she's cheering like third world people <laughs> and her husband's a plastic surgeon. Yeah, plastic mm-hmm. surgeon who's very just not having Conservative, any. Conservative, yeah, stuck in oh, the mud. Oh, so funny. I loved that limbo gag. Oh, they God, clearly yeah. put her on a skateboard or something. So she's going under the limbo thing about three inches off the ground and everyone's cheering. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Great gags. The, again, for me, this movie would have succeeded if it was just full of those character totally. gags and then, and then like the club just having a hard time getting its shit together. I remember as a kid, as much as I didn't understand the weed stuff, just the gag of uh, Rick Moranis and Eugene Levy. Eugene Levy finally scores this like massive garbage bag full of weed. <laughs> and when the revolution starts i think there's a bit where like maybe he thinks they're coming after him so yeah. he's trying to get rid of this like just huge huge bag of weed uh i always enjoyed it's yeah. a great gag yeah like i honestly think every character piece and gag is good mm-hmm. like it's just every other all the, the major like weird revolution plot points just got in the way and you're like i don't want any of this yeah like and i know i keep i feel like a broken record saying that but that's like i just wanted to be able to know that like Harold Ramis, Ramis, right. I just said his name wrong. Uh, rest <laughs> in peace. <laughs> um, he, like, it's very early. I don't even know what film this is. This is definitely after Caddyshack because that's his first. I think he'd done, like, two before this, maybe. It's, it's something I just read. Yeah, he had done Caddyshack and maybe Family Vacation. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, like, it's very interesting to see them. Maybe that's in them just trying to stretch their, their like, sort of storytelling right. element. Right like muscles go like let's maybe get away from less gags but they know the only way they're gonna sell it i can see right. is like well we gotta have our classic sctv stuff but then i want to start maybe yeah, going curious yeah i would part of me thinks it's like uh, that they probably thought of just the resort gags first and then were worried that it didn't feel like the movie had enough stakes or something yeah that could definitely be it because he went on to make am i wrong did he or is he just He's not in that. That's James L. Brooks that did as good as it gets because he just has a role as the doctor in that, right? I don't think, yeah, he did. Yeah. Right. I wonder if he did anything. I mean, Groundhog Days is big. Sure. The masterpiece. The masterpiece that we all love. Um, and then, of course, we you know Ghostbusters. I was just trying to think of, like, as a director. Yeah. What is That's his good. big, like, he only did. F- did he even? Oh, yeah. There we go. Here we go. Right. Analyze. Oh, it. yeah. He did Vacation. Great. Groundhog Day. Oh, yeah, Multiplicity, which could have been another one I could have played today because that's another one that I really liked as a young person and yeah. not everyone's seen it. And I think I love Michael Keaton, which I think is a big part of it. It's an under... I think I, I've seen it, but I haven't seen it. I'd be, like, lost in, like, how mm-hmm. much I actually remember mm-hmm. other than him playing all the different characters. I think it's probably a pretty underrated movie, too. I think. I mean, yeah, at this point, I really McDowell. have to go watch. Right. Yeah. Great. She's great. I think a lot of people talk shit on Analyze This, but I like it a lot. I think it's good, too. <laughs> and I think Bedazzled is actually and underrated comedy, too. Some people don't know Analyze This, written by uh, the same writer who wrote... Um, oh, fuck. Uh, he's like one of my favorite playwrights, and he wrote Manchester by the Sea, and he wrote... Um, oh, um, oh my gosh. Why can't I think... It's Lonergan. Or Kenneth Lonergan. Yeah, yeah, Kenneth Lonergan, Lonergan wrote Analyze This. Which is so weird. To that me. is a weird thing for him to write. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a good script. I've read just the script and I was like, oh, it's, I think, very solid. Yeah, I think it holds up. 
I remember seeing it in movie theaters and loving it. There's a lot of like just there's a lot of good here. There's a lot of great potential here, and I love so like this is funny that Rick Moranis was top billing in this. If you look at the yeah, poster, I was trying to. I was just looking before we started to see if this was any of their fa- their first movies. The the Second City people, most of them had done a couple movies before this. I think Rick Moranis in particular, he'd done Ghostbusters. He had done um, like one or two other like pretty big ones that right. I think he, that yeah he got. Build with Peter O'Toole and Robin Williams. Right, Rick Moranis is a guy that I think it's a because I mean he left he left because his, his wife died right and he wanted to take care of his kids, but you look at his work and you're like man that's a loss. Oh yeah, very. I mean I guess it's like the comedy equivalent of of athletes who retire in their prime where you the good thing is that they never you never watch them fade sort of or yeah. like oh god this is sad that he's doing this. Right, which that's I, very sometimes true. you get with comedy people where they've kind of lost it. Yeah, even great actors. I mean, yeah. look at like Robert De Niro. We, we talk a lot about how sure, his yeah. career sort of like went into this weird area where you're like, I don't know if you just you don't even want to see him keep yeah, working with a lot of people. Yeah, I immediately wanted to because you brought up athlete compare Rick Moranis because I don't know a lot about sports. Uh-huh. I was like, it's like a Bo Jackson. It's like his wife's death is Bo Jackson's injury. The first thing I thought <laughs> of was uh, Barry Sanders, nineties <laughs> uh, running back for the Detroit Lions, who left at the peak of, peak of his career. Why did Barry Sanders leave? He said later that he he saw other retired running backs who were limping around and stuff, and he's like, "I don't want to be that. Don't I want to have guy. like my body intact." Good for him. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Well, Rick Moranis, I'm sorry you had to leave for crappy. I know. Yeah. I wonder if he. I'm curious if he would come back. Could he still be as good as we remember him? It'd be interesting. He would be, I think, different just by for the sure. fact, yeah, that he's older and has had different experiences. Part of me thinks that he might be successful in that he has sort of been out, out of the spotlight for so long i assume he's probably had like a pretty like normal last 20 years or 10 years of like life experiences yeah which i think is what sometimes hurts uh comedic actors where they sort of get out of touch with what normal life is yeah you're probably right about that but he's definitely i think and i know he's made like uh, music albums that's how he's oh, kept really? up. Like, think I might be wrong. I'd have to look it up, but I know comedic for sh- or I think some of it's like comedy tracks, but I think it's like bluegrass maybe or something. <laughs> funny, or it's like these, country. Yeah, yeah, it's like Steve Martin. Steve people Martin had bluegrass in their old age. Yeah, I was listening to one of his albums earlier oh, really? today before you came over. While I was trying to quickly clean bluegrass my albums or, or, or his, yeah, like his, not his bluegrass, but like his stand up when he used to play banjo. No, his new his, his new, new like stuff. His actual okay. music. I don't like listen to much of his new stuff. Yeah, um, I actually think Steve Martin's albums are not bad. His oh, I music bet, albums. I bet, yeah, there's one he put out that has a song about friendship that makes me cry if I oh, listen yeah? to it because I think and I sent it to a really good friend of mine because uh-huh. I was like this song reminds me of our friendship. <laughs> did they? Did it make sense to them? Did they yeah. listen? Oh, cool. And like, and I and the main reason I pulled up his album today and I I mentioned this a little before is because it was crazy that you picked this movie just timing wise because I recently been listening to Martin Short's memoir that he right. but I'm doing an audiobook because it's him reading his his oh, memoir and it's wonderful because he does his characters while he does it and stuff <laughs> and, I, really and it's awesome yeah. and it's his he goes through his whole history with SCTV so it's just fun to watch a movie with like all the people he's talking about right. and then I'm at the end of the book so he's talking about his wife going through cancer and passing away yeah. And he, there's a song on one of Steve Martin's albums that's dedicated to his wife. Oh, cool. So I pulled up that album to listen to right. it while I was cleaning. 
It is cool how many people from that generation of, of comedians seem um, to be friends with each other and, and, yeah. and close, which is cool. And they've kept up. Yeah. Although like, SCTV people, especially, it's like, I think that was some sort of um, like fraternity that yeah, built a lot of friendships. Very much so. Because like Eugene Levy and him, like they did, there's this huge, and what's crazy is there's this history. I mean, you read, everybody should read his book or listen to the mm-hmm. audio book where a lot of them went, had this big breakthrough doing a production of Godspell together. Yeah, in Toronto. Yeah, Yeah. and then a lot of people after that went to Second City, and Martin Short's one of the first, one of the people that said no for a while. Right. Then he starts seeing people's success, like Bill Murray, and then one day was, like, bummed out in Santa Monica, like him and his wife would always call, like, Breakdown Corner, Mm -hmm. and he decided to go back to Second City later than everybody, and then had his success later. It's a really, I honestly, it's like, Go oh, that's cool. Read his book. I read. There's an interview he did. I forget if it was Vanity Fair or The New Yorker. There's something he did. It was like a long uh, form interview, and he talked about that. And yeah, he always seems like such a besides being so talented, genuine and nice person. Oh yeah, I agree, hundred percent. And he just seems so grounded for a guy that plays outrageous characters. He's yeah, just, that is he has interesting. Such a yeah. cool, like. You just like I think he one he's famous I think for his late night stuff like going oh, yeah. on he just knows how to turn it on honestly yeah and Jiminy Glick is one of my favorite things I think it's an under like and like I think I haven't given it a chance until oh, I listened God. to this yeah. to him talk about how he approached the character oh I don't even know and that. the way he like he's just like I love a character who's in power but a moron. Uh-huh. And they, he talks about you. You need to read this because I, I really saw do. your eyes like glide up about. Yeah, <laughs> like if he talks about how they apparently did an interview with Jack Lemon oh, that wow. he will not release because the way they first approached, he's like, I'm not. This character's not about bringing people down, and this had too much of that. Right. That he shifted the gears right. to be more let people be the straight man to his moron. Yeah, it's great. I. He and Maya Rudolph had a variety show pretty recently. Yeah, just recently. I haven't watched it. And it wasn't the best, but he did some new Jiminy Glick, and it's worth it for that. He does one <laughs> with Larry David that's so good. And it's really hard for me to look. It's one of those comedy things where I'm smiling as much as I'm laughing. There's something I just find very joyful about watching him play that character. It's great. It's, and I... Th- I, I don't know what it is about him speaking of that as like I don't think he makes it about that guy being fat that's just oh, no. what that's yeah. just what he knows that character is right and he never makes he those does some low... fun like physical things where he's like always yeah. not comfortable in his chair and stuff but yeah it's never fat it's jokes. never about yeah. he never goes for that low blow yeah. and I think he does that in the interviews too like uh, I had the, I recently talked to interviews of like how he approaches Steven Spielberg and like it's a dumb gag when he oh, says like he'll talk in his interview with Steven Spielberg he'll like he'll talk that person up about like oh these movies you've done and he's like so when are you gonna do the big one right. and you're like that is such a simple great moronic yeah. viewpoint of view that he had yeah. discovered and I think you'll love this because he'll talk about where he pulled all of his uh, like all ask. the little like he'll be like this character's I've took from this person this person mm-hmm. throughout my life and I'm like damn you're just because I'm sure he's also had to sit down for so many stupid entertainment reporters and have those kind of things yeah I'm sure it's he can be very specific yeah Yeah. and he came from all this great like bringing it back to this like he was friends with Harold Ramis like those guys were all second city and like it's like cool to see that they all the wealth that came out of that one place yeah and it's incredible 
That must have been cool, I think, for Second City people. Like when Club Paradise came out, I'm sure that was something where I, it would have been. I'm trying. I'm trying to think off the top of my head of like what the UCB equivalent is, but it's like, oh shit! All of my like favorite people that are yeah. maybe three or four years ahead of me at Second City, who I would watch in the main stage shows and watch in Second TV, are getting their shot in this big movie, and we get to see them all together. Mm-hmm. Must have been super exciting. Do you think? And this is. I don't want to. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to like. Because we're both UC, I've uh-huh. gone through years as teacher at UCB and all that, and it's great, and I love UCB. But they sort of maybe tried to do that with all their little movies, but they just never really had that with the UCB movies. Yeah, and I don't yeah. think they ever had that big thing. I do think when somebody from UCB gets a big movie, that right. you see it celebrated. Right. But we, I don't know if we've ever had that big. But everybody, they, everybody yeah, has their fault. I guess oh. there's like the uh, yeah, like Katie Dippold's movies. There's a lot of UCB performers in them, yes. so they're like somewhat similar. And and uh, Scott Armstrong who wrote like um, Old School and yeah. another big one had some people in it. But yeah, there there hasn't been like the one that's like a, a Second City or a Saturday Night Live. Like it's just like that cast yes. movie. Yeah, maybe it maybe it's it been just hasn't happened yet. Already, I don't but, know. Maybe it's when you're writing yeah, it maybe right now. Yeah, maybe you're writing it right now. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I know I'm not. <laughs> I'm, well, we'll, keep, we'll text people. See, if well, yeah, maybe we could get somebody to start that up. <laughs> yeah, I can play any role. Um, oh, I let's talk about Robin Williams in this movie mm-hmm. because this is sort of like I don't know what. I mean, he's a star at this time, of course, mm-hmm. and as you said, he, he his style is definitely coming through those bits. Um, I think it's. But it doesn't seem like the role that he had to have a breakout role before this, right? I mean, because of television, right? Because Mork and Mindy really to, put him on the. When mat. was Good Morning Vietnam? Was that a couple years later? Uh, I God, I hate time, but I'm glad I have this thing. This, have this technology, this iPad, right in front of us. Let's see here. I have a T-shirt that I wrote. 104 things. Yeah, in. like what a guy. What's with this? What's with this catalog, Mr. Williams? He had Popeye before this. Oh yeah, well, another childhood favorite. Yeah. A world according to Garp. He did before this. So this is not like yeah. There, I mean, yeah, there's Moscow, Moscow and, the Hudson. and Hudson. There's a lot of things. I read a oh, little. Okay. Good morning, Vietnam. Which just after because that guess. he got nominated for an Oscar, I believe, for that. Right, and it's great in it. I mean, I think that's like the right vehicle because because he's a DJ and he seems like the character is supposed to be this like funny smartass. It fits where this it seems like this firefighter is a funny smartass for no particular reason. And yeah, is doing bits with people constantly. Like in Vietnam, what's great about it is like, oh, I think he's doing this because he thinks this is what people need right now. So when he's joking with soldiers and people, it's like, oh, I think it's important. It doesn't, it's not coming from nowhere. Yeah, it's 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 like he's the levity in this hell that they're having to right. live there. Right. That makes total sense. Whereas this, it's like you're in a paradise and you're being sort of shitty, even though you- yeah. Or you just do, doing bits when you don't have to. Like a, right, need- a cop goes by and he needs to do a bit with him. And yeah. It's like, why? And also you, you duped everybody. You knew you were duping everybody into a shitty oh, paradise. That's very true. Get, and when you get called out, you don't really have the right to be like, back off, man. Like when he threatens. Yeah, he's very Andrew rude Martin. for some reason to this one guest, the plastic surgeon character, immediately, without knowing a ton about him, does not try to pacify the situation, is physically threatening to him yeah. immediately. He, got, he says to him, are you threatening? He's like, yes, I am. You're like, oh my God. Yeah. He's like, I'll break your face or something. He's holding a wrench. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's so But bugger. he's smiling, which I guess is supposed Softens to soften it. it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Can it's... I look up real quick? So yeah, Good Morning Vietnam, too. which is... I've never seen that movie. Oh, I should have picked that one. <laughs> oh, it's, no. I think it's, it's great. great that we're talking it's, about You this. should watch it. But it has one of my favorite performances. Where is the cast? It's on the side if you look here. Oh, okay, great. Bruno Kirby? Oh, yeah. Bruno <laughs> Kirby in Good Morning Vietnam Is that is... really who you're going to point out? Yes. Because Bruno Kirby is a very underrated like. He. This actor. is my favorite Bruno Kirby role. And it's awesome. And it's like one of those, I think... There's a few roles you can think of, of of characters who tragically think of themselves as very funny and they're not, mm-hmm. and that's the best one. Yeah, he's this guy who's so threatened by Robin Williams coming in and having this successful show, and he's like, "I can do that. I can do comedy." And there's one part where he gets his chance and does his like comedy, and it's like very hokey, but he's like so earnest about it. It's amazing. The whole movie's really good, and the best part is Bruno Kirby. Oh, I'm a huge Bruno Kirby fan. Like. His small, his he's one of the best roles and one of the greatest comedies. I think this is Spinal Tap. Oh yeah, it's the limo driver. Yeah, just his short scene is one of the funniest things in the world. When he's like, "Man, eh, this is a fat." Like, you gotta watch Good Morning Vietnam. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to watch this. And I have uh, this is me gloating about when I first moved to Los Angeles. <laughs> Uh, I start, got into an acting class because mm-hmm. referred to a person I knew him from Utah uh-huh. uh, with the teacher John Kirby. Uh-huh. That is Bruno Kirby's brother. Oh wow! Did you bring it up? Uh, no, like yeah, he talked about oh, Bruno. Oh, cool. He talked about Bruno losing Bruno. Uh-huh. Like he's very open at yeah. this point of talking about going through when Bruno died and his loss, right. and talks about their career coming up because they were both like actors coming up, right. and then Bruno became like a very regular working right. actor, and he also. John became like the acting coach guy, right? And he's coach. He coached um, what's his name that was pa- in Passion of the Christ. He's been his. Oh right. Um, oh my gosh, I can't think. I hate that I can't think of his name right now. And he's had that he running. Played Christ. Yes. Right. Um. And he. I know. Tons of movies, but he's been his act mm-hmm. personal acting coach for years. Oh, cool. And and I got a lot out of his class. I think mm-hmm. his class is great. Mm-hmm. I was just doing scene study with him uh-huh. for like a couple of years before UCB sort of oh, took me over. Yeah. Uh, and I swung that way, but he was great, and it was. But it, Bruno is like, ah, oh, I just popped in Cheers. Bruno Kirby is in the pilot of Cheers. He's the first. He's the tag. Really? Yeah. He's in the cold I've opening. Seen- what He's is the, the cold kid. open again? It's a kid that comes in and gives him a fake ID. Really? And that's Bruno Kirby. Oh my God, I've seen that and did not know that was... <laughs> yeah, he's so young. He looks so like... Him. Sh- like, come on, Bruno Kirby's in yeah. When Harry Met Sally. Young Clemenza in The Godfather. Uh, he's so good. Yeah, he's that's s- great. I mean, you're really going to love Good Morning Vietnam for his parts because it's, it's perfect. Oh yeah, the Larry Sanders show. Oh, that's a great show. But there, yeah, he has such a great um, history. That's great. I definitely am going to watch that movie soon because it's 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 a one I should have I should have watched already. Let's be honest. I think it holds up. That's another one. I I think I've seen it more recently. I saw it. Watched it a lot as a kid. Um, and also, we had the soundtrack. We had the Good Morning Vietnam CD. Yeah. When I was a kid, which contains all of uh, Robin Williams' characters on radio jokes oh, and stuff. Oh, cool. So I'd sort of listen for both reasons. Yeah. Um, it was sort of like, yeah, 60s, 70s rock and Robin Williams bits. It's like you're getting a, a rock album with a comedy album. Yeah. Well, yeah. Which That's pretty cool combination. 
there's yeah there's a lot of things where he uh is speaking to himself and doing playing correspondence that he's cutting to and mm-hmm. it's great that's awesome to bring it back to my obsession right now with martin short's memoir mm-hmm. he has a great anecdote and story about robin williams oh yeah like where he likes during their like i don't know what year it was they had a and a strike out here, another writer strike, and they weren't working. And they, him and his wife, Martin Shorts, him and his wife went back to Toronto to work while it was going on. And Robin Williams came to stay with them and do Second City shows with oh, them. Cool. And it's really cool. But he talks about Robin Williams being very melancholy when they oh, were really? on stage. Yeah. And it's pretty like, it hits you because you're like, wow, that guy yeah. from always had been struggling. In around 2008, I think, Robin Williams showed up at UCB a few times, but there was one time he showed up for Herald Night and asked if he could sit in with a team in New York. Uh, oh, in New York he did. Yeah, and um, he came right after my team, I think had just gone, but I knew he was going to perform with the team after, but for a little bit he was just hanging out backstage with us. Very, very nice, very humble. It was around the same time that Slumdog Millionaire came out. Mm-hmm. And he was just, we were just talking about that movie and he, he was like, you got to see it. It's really good. He's friends with uh, Danny Boyle who directed it. Yeah. Um, and I guess he and his wife or maybe just his wife had done some sort of charity work in India and he was, he was, he sort of referenced that, but he was great. Very sweet. I think he didn't seem melancholy. I think in a good way he's seen in this particular incident, he just seemed like you see him on a lot of talk shows and he would always be very on and very manic yeah. and he was very chill. Yeah. Well, I think Martin Short just, it's like a private moment. It's right. not like oh, a sure. moment sure. where yeah. he's, I think that guy always was, he talks about how that same exact experience. Mm-hmm. And I was a student coming up here when he played with Settlement, a lady one night. Oh, cool. He just showed up and they played with him. And that was an amazing set. Just to watch all of Settlement, play around every little thought that Rob right. Williams, he was just popping off and be like, boom, 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 going every, that and was it was big, on yeah. Herald night. And they're like, well, we're just going to follow Robin Williams. And that was support. a fun part of this too, of, of he clearly did not know the Herald format. He asked really quickly kind of what it was going to do. I can't remember what their opening was either. It may have been like a pattern game or uh-huh. something that's hard to picture Robin Williams doing. Um, and it was a similar thing with the team. He was very funny, but it was a lot of the team doing a great job of, making sense when he was doing something that let's say it was time for a second beat of a specific game and he was going off in a different direction finding a way that it could still be a second beat of that yeah. first beat uh, it was great yeah he's great and then I saw him a second time here they used to have a, sh- a show that for young indie teams mm-hmm. they have that now again but before it called um, I think Let's Do This uh-huh. that Amanda Sitko and Denny uh, Pearson hosted and a young team was playing like an indie team, uh-huh. never. I don't even think they had any house players on it. He showed up and played with them. Cool, and it was insane. Just to be one of them, you'd be yeah. like, "This isn't." That's very cool. And like, you can tell he's just very. I think if you talk to, I would highly suggest you because you know all the mm-hmm. settlement. I'll tell you about. I think even after the set, he was just kind of like one of those funny people that's like, you clearly did it. You're the funniest one on stage. Right. But afterwards, like. Like, did I do that right? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's what I remember from talking to people. Like, uh, my my friend Chelsea Clark was in that show with him, and my friend Sean Clemens was in that show with him. And afterwards, he was like, "What were you going for with this?" It's like, "Oh, I think I missed you when you did this." Yeah, he's in very yeah, where he could have just walked off stage and went home. No, but he, yeah. it's like that. I think is like when you meet people like that that you know are on top of the world, or if they've been on top of the world. And they're considered the funniest, and you hear that about them. It almost refuels you as like an artist to be like, just keep at this, no matter where you end up. But like yeah. the fact that somebody that good can be still 
processing it and wanting to distill their, right. their best and they don't do it. You yes, just said it walk true. off. You're like, cool. Yeah, how easy it is to having you could be on Herald Night for a couple of years or just been around for a little bit and to just like sort of shrug off a show and to not still be in that mindset of like, well, let's try to make everyone really good and like talk about it afterwards. Yeah. That is that is something inspiring about that. Yeah. You got to just because why not bring try to bring your best all yeah. the time and you got yeah, to appreciate a guy like that because you can see like. Maybe he's doing all those bits because that's just what he did on this show. You know what I mean? He's just like, I'm trying everything like to make this the best possible. Yeah, I think that Every probably moment. is what it was. Uh, in the little bit of the Roger Ebert review I read, he posited that maybe he was just trying to make the set laugh. That's why he was always doing bits in every scene you see. <laughs> I can see it's possible, yeah. You probably were on an island for I'm sure days. most of it did not seem scripted. Yeah, most oh, of yeah. it just is like, oh, I'll try to make something funny of this little two-minute scene about nothing. Yeah. Uh, he mean, yeah, he's going to be one of the best of all yeah. time. Yeah. I have a shirt with his face on it, and I want to wear it more than I do, but I always feel like it creeps everyone out. Is, is there anything else on the shirt? Is it just, just his, his face? face? In his face and what he's era like, from what? He's like bearded. It's like one where he's bearded. Okay. And I got it right after he passed. My sister-in-law got it for me uh-huh. like for a Christmas present. I love it. Uh-huh. I just choose not to wear it a lot because a lot of people like think it's Like Lion weird. in the Baghdad Zoo era? Was it, do you remember that? He no. was on Broadway. He played the lion in this play called, I think it was called Lion in the Baghdad Zoo. I never heard of this. Yeah. That sounds... And got good reviews. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how... And I think the two people, there's like, I think it's like a three-hander play where it's him and two soldiers. And... I think I might have I think the people who've played the soldiers are pretty well known now, too. I can't remember who they were. Does the lion speak, though? Yeah. I okay. think he does. I think it's very physical, but I think he speaks. I never got to see it. Yeah. I might have slightly heard about this, but maybe not. But not enough right. to when you right. brought it up to recall. It may have been around the same time that he came and did UCB. I oh, think okay. that may have been. Because I remember like our play being a play with like... Because soldiers take place like different acts, different soldiers or something like that. I don't remember. I think some there's I an like aspect of the plot of, of like because the... Uh, war in Iraq has started. This zoo is sort of deserted, and because of yes, that, this sort of lion this plot is line. sort of helpless. Mm-hmm. And there are these soldiers that are guarding it or trying to take care of it or something. Yeah, I remember reading something about that story. Right. That. That's somebody listening right now is probably furious at us. Yeah, like knows wanting everything. to chime in and be like, "That's this is what it is." This very famous play by this famous playwright. <laughs> yeah, or it's the playwright himself. Right. Oh, I hope. I hope <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> Uh, that's wonderful. Um, great. I don't know what else to, uh, other than like great gags in this show. Yeah, I would say. They even, I want to talk about Don't run one. out and see it. Yeah, don't run out and see it. <laughs> but if it's on HBO Go and, and uh, you want to make some, some pina coladas and have a movie you don't have to pay super close attention to on, or if you have a child. And want to expose them to some like pretty good mid eighties comedy, yeah, with some pretty funny gags and some good character games. Uh, it's worth a shot. I would agree with that. There is that weird gag, real quick, that at the end where they, I think they're trying to make a joke out of the revolution when one guy turns around, and fires he uh, Reed fires a gun, and right. all the soldiers jump on the yeah. ground and like they're scared of it. And it's like it's just yeah, like, that's a weird gag. You get what they're going for, but you're like, it's too late now for this gag because this is in the middle of literally people running around with guns. Yeah. It's before Peter O'Toole runs, uh, comes out on a horse in full British yeah. regalia. Yeah. The ending is very weird. <laughs> very odd. Really quick. I mean, mm-hmm. the top, the first act and the third act are so quick. It's right. literally the setup because this movie could have started with just 
guests arriving at Club Paradise and then kept going. Yeah. But this that setup of him as the fireman is so fast. It at the very least could have started with him like on the island already. Someone being like, "Oh yeah, you're the firefighter who won that thing." Yeah, yeah. it's. <laughs> I guess the way we wanted to show him being heroic. I don't know. It feels it feels like something that's just trying to follow a classic structure, right? And that they did their best. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because the things that we don't like too are probably the things that were most expensive. Yeah, the big set piece and the, the fire. The big set piece with the fire and the, all the, lots of special effects. All the extras at the all end. All the extras for the revolution. Yeah, not necessary. Yeah. Great second act, all of it. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty fun. <laughs> Great. Uh, before uh, we wrap up, I wanted to ask this question of my guests. Mm-hmm. Um my podcast is about I will watch anything once. Mm-hmm. However, Brandon, is there any movies or film genre, anything in, in a sense that you typically try to avoid? And if so, why? Why do you not? Right. Why do you miss it or avoid those kind of things? I think um, the first thing that came to mind was I've never seen any of the Saw movies and never mm-hmm. had a desire to. I don't think my impression of it, which is sort of uh, gory sort of pain porn yeah. doesn't seem like something I would be into so I've never tried those mm-hmm. what also came to mind and now I've really been having second thoughts about is that I never thought that I would see the new uh, Beauty and the Beast the live action I was like that looks terrible why would I watch a live action remake of this animated movie and everyone I talked to was like it's great you should see it I that, I have two you've hit on two uh-huh. things on both of those so first with Beauty and Beast I'm, I'm with you I'm the same way and now tons of people are telling me that it's good and I'm like well I guess I should go see this now right yeah. the thing that I'm still like, a little bit against is like oh this like retread of, of old material that's a big Disney movie it's like ah do I want want to give them my money like yeah like Maybe I should wait and just watch it on a plane. <laughs> um, but then part of me is like, maybe it is a movie that the spectacle of it looks better on the big screen. Mm-hmm. What was the other thing? El Cap. Do you still, you, uh, we should get a party and go to El Capitan. Oh, yeah. Have Great. a real experience sense. of it. Yeah. Um, the other thing was with Saw movies, uh-huh. I'm so also like, I know I avoid horror and most. Right. But well, I, want to, I went on a date back when I lived in Utah that like my mom set up from a, somebody she worked with. Uh-huh. And it was going bad. Like the, it's just we weren't, and she just. Eh. Uh-huh. Apparently, what was the best was like apparently dropped the f bomb like five times in conversation at some you point. Did? Okay. Yeah, and it got back to my mom. Oh, so she must have remarked on fu- it. Yeah, but what's funny is like, I think if my mom heard that now, she'd probably be upset about. It. But then my mom was like stuck up for me. She was like, who, who cares? So you said fuck. That's interesting. And my mom was you like, think your mom's become more conservative since then. Oh uh, yeah, I could, I could get I think into my a whole podcast sort of the opposite. about that. Could be another podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, but back then my mom was like, who cares? She doesn't think if you, she's like, screw her. Right. <laughs> they don't care if you said. But why I'd rather was it was going bad. We got to the movie theater. I was like, what movie do you want to see? Right. Giving up to her to sure. offer. She was completely like, whatever. Like. Not even doesn't matter. Just yeah. threw it away, right. and I looked up and was like looking at all the movies, and I purposely picked Saw because I was like out of spite. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I did it out of like fuck this. We're gonna go see Saw. Let's just make this the worst date. Yeah, ever. Yeah, and I made fun of the movie the entire time, uh-huh. and thought and like she clearly was like wanting to watch it seriously. Oh wow! And I think at that point, you know, you're definitely like, no yeah, way. that's a good way. This movie's terrible. We should be laughing at it. And you're taking it way serious. We're not going to... That reminds me of... 
in uh, The Great Freaks and Geeks, one of the things, the whole thing I think is, is amazing, but yeah. one of the moments that I really, really like is, um, I can't remember, what's the main kid's name? I'm really bad on character names. The the main nerd. Yes, the main the the the, the main uh, geek. Now, yeah. I cannot think of the actor's name or the character's name, but I know he wrote the recent vacation movie, and he's he's a co-writer yeah, he's on working, the new yeah. Spider-Man: Homecoming. He uh, so he loves um, this cheerleader, has this huge crush on this cheerleader. Eventually, they go on a date, but he takes her to see the jerk, Steve Martin's the jerk, yeah. which he loves, which I relate to in, in such a deep way. And she doesn't like it and is bored. And that's where he becomes disenchanted. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great because it's like, oh, yeah, of course, these people you put on pedestals, you don't really know them. And, and who knows if that's. And then especially for some reason, like watching that movie, it's like, oh, yeah, that's a great litmus test of like, oh, yeah, if I watched the jerk with you and you don't like it, I don't think there's a future. I'm with you on that one. There are things like that, like and then like there's thing movies that you'll let it go, but there's certain ones who are like if you don't if you can't find at least one <sighs> yeah. funny part of this, like if you don't if you can't at least laugh with me that he has wine at his tennis court in those right, things. And there's, yeah. and there's some other there's plenty of gags, but so I don't know why gags. that one is there's something <laughs> in that, that that scene is so funny to me. Yeah, you're no, you can we can part ways. <laughs> and it is one of the first movies I watched with my wife. Oh, really? I don't think it was strategic, but I think it was like maybe one of those movies where she, somehow it came up and she's like, oh, I've never seen it. And I was like, well, you have to. Wow. Let's do it. Yeah. And she passed the test because you are and she married. Liked it, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. My life would have been totally different. Wow. Well, good thing. Mm-hmm. Good thing. All right. Well, thanks, Brandon. Thanks for thanks. having me. Of course. Thanks for spending the afternoon with me and talking and bye. Bye. <laughs> want more from Brandon Gardner, you can follow him on Instagram at Brandon J. Gardner. Also, you're going to want to check him out doing improv at the Upright Citizens Brigade in Los Angeles. He performs in two great shows, one which is monthly called Improv Nerds at UCB Sunset, and also a weekly show, Tuesday Club, at UCB Franklin every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. So check out the UCB calendar and make sure to see Brandon Gardner do great improv with the other great improvisers. Um, he was a teacher of mine, so I can definitely vouch for him. He's a wonderful impro- improviser. And if you want to uh, catch more episodes of this show, uh, check out I Will Watch Anything Once on Twitter at I W W A O. On Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, and uh, tell us what movies you want us to talk about. And also, you can email us at I will watch at Gmail. I will watch anything once at gmail.com. Oh my God, Connie, that was your first time. I really just threw you under the bus to do an outro, and you killed it. I think you killed it. I love it. I love it. She's a pro. Um, And a reminder, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Um, Those reviews um, make us more visible to other listeners, um, the ratings as well. And then subscribing, you know, just keeps our numbers up, brings others there. We highly appreciate if you could do that on iTunes. Rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you again for listening. And remember, if you haven't seen it once, you can't complain. 
I had I just had like a uh, I guess sort of a smoothie with almond milk and cold brew coffee in it. Did you make it yourself? Yep, just blended it up with some ice and a banana. And uh, was there anything else in it? Um, some flaxseed. This has been a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit boardwalkaudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.